What's up, guys? Emily Gagnon here on Wednesday, September 20th. And I am riding solo on Sports Tonight, ANF Plus. Uh, but I've got you covered with so many cool topics, good topics. And we're going to get started with baseball. We are so close to October baseball. So I figured we're going to get that out of the way first and foremost because Braves fans right now are getting ready for the team, for the Braves. The Braves who've broken so many records, on the brink of breaking so many records. Um, you know, fans are ready to watch them play in postseason play, uh, which we already know. They've clinched the NL East title, and um, for a sixth straight season, they have the most. Uh, they've won the division the most out of any other team in all of baseball. Now that they uh, clinched the NL East title, they did that a week ago today in Philadelphia. Um, you know, we know they're playing in the playoffs, but but here's what we don't know is why they're playing some sloppy ball as of late. So you know, let's talk about their game today. Um, they lost to the Phillies by a run. This game went to extras, 10 innings to decide uh, who was going to win this game. 6-5, so they lost by a run. But, but listen, the bigger picture here is that they have lost two straight series now. They got swept by Miami over the weekend. Miami scored 36 runs to the Braves 13. So that was over the weekend. And now, you know, against the Phillies at home, um, they lost the first game, game one, won game two, and then lost this afternoon. It was a 12-21st pitch. Uh, manager Brian Snicker, who we heard from on Monday before this series started, uh, he was asked, like, what happened in Miami? You guys fell flat. Did you not have any energy or enough energy? And he said, no, I feel like we had enough energy, but our pitching was just bad. So he just laid it out just that simply. We did not have good pitching. And, you know, that might be the concern right now is their pitching because um, you certainly, you know, couldn't say that their offense has that many issues because they've carried the team for for the entire season um you know they lead the league in home runs they have at least five different players who have 30 home runs each at least 30 home runs each and that ties the 2019 twins for the most 30 home run hitters in a season on a team in MLB history. Let that sink in. Um, so, you know, they've depended on the home run ball a lot this season. Uh, Brian Snicker said he doesn't think that they're like reaching for home runs. He doesn't think that that's what they're trying to do, but they're just having really good at bats and that's what's creating these homers and, and the fact that they're leading the league in homers. Um, but right now, you know, uh, pitching, as he said, could be an issue. And, and this is certainly not the time of the year where you want a team like the Braves, who've been so consistent and so hot this entire year, to slow down and to get cold. Uh, I want to take it back to last season um, before Dansby Swanson left and, and moved on, um, you know, during that postseason run, that very short postseason run they had. He said that he thought that the bye uh, actually hurt them and did not help them. They earned that bye. They played well throughout the regular season to be able to get that bye. Um, and then in that first round, the hottest team won, and it wasn't them. They cooled off during that break. It was the Phillies who just kept getting hotter and hotter and hotter who took down the Braves. Uh, so they certainly don't want that to happen this year. Uh, yes, postseason play is still a ways away, uh, you know, 
but you don't want this to be the time of the year or the first time all year that you start getting cold. And so, uh, yes, they're guaranteed a spot in the playoffs, all the things, but um, you want them to be able to continue to be consistent. And, and we just haven't seen that as of late. Uh, you know, they celebrated Wednesday night of last week, champagne showers, all the things, um, and, and really haven't won much since. They've won one game out of six. So uh, it, it's, it's definitely something to, to look out for, right? Um, but but Snit seems to think, at least on Monday, that the pitching just wasn't good, and uh, they need to you know get back to some some solid pitching, and and we'll see what happens with that. But the Braves are still the team to beat in baseball. Uh, they should hit 100. If they don't hit 100 wins on the season in the next uh, couple weeks before the postseason starts, something will have gone very wrong. But I still expect them to be a 100-win team. You know, they they clinched the division uh, 96 games in or something like that. Uh, no, 96. They had 96 wins. Um, so it's it, they've been doing so many things, so many great things this season. They've played such solid baseball. Um, that there's no reason to quit now, but but I think a lot of the players are resting and, and just taking it easier than they have all season long because they have a little bit of wiggle room leniency. Uh, but they hit the road now that they've wrapped up this very short three-game set against the Phillies. They hit the road right away. They play at the Nationals uh, starting tomorrow night. So, um, you know, we'll see if they can, uh, you know, right their wrongs and just kind of, uh, direct the ship in another, in another direction, I guess I should say, uh, in a winning direction. And, and we'll see what they can do, uh, starting tomorrow. But definitely two lost series in a row is not something that we've been used to with these Braves this season. Moving on to the Falcons, who, unlike the Braves as of late, uh, have been red hot. They are 2-0 for the first time since 2017, their last winning season. That's pretty wild to think about. Um, but let's let's just talk about how they played two home games and have had to really, you know, those they weren't well ahead of those two teams of um, Green Bay or of Carolina, so it was close games. And if it were any other season, or at least in the past few years, they would have gone into the fourth quarter and they wouldn't have been able to finish. Uh, that's the difference between this year's team and perhaps other years' teams is the fact that the Falcons' defense came in that game in that fourth quarter and was able to finish a game. They made the stops that were necessary to be able to hold on to the lead, even though they came from behind to win. The defense really did their job. And, um, you know, there are some stats that I saw that are, are very indicative of how the Falcons are playing right now. But uh, after two weeks in total defense, the Falcons are third. It's not very often that we've said that in, in uh, you know, recent past. Uh, we have not said that the Falcons are that good, but they're in top five in the NFL right now in total defense. Uh, but entering the fourth quarter this year, they've outscored their opponents 27-0, outgained opponents 244-56. to Their longest play allowed has been 11 yards, and that's super telling to me. Again, that means the defense is making the stops that are necessary to win games. They're staying involved and locked in, um, you know, and that's the reason why this offseason the Falcons organization spent so much money on revamping the defense, got a new defensive coordinator, uh, got some veteran players on the team. Jesse Bates 
has obviously, uh, you know, come to Atlanta and, and really changed a lot. Uh, he's played some beautiful football since being here. Uh, and then, you know, you take a look at Desmond Ritter, who, who says he prides himself in um, protecting the ball. And, and, you know, there's been some issues there. I say that because, uh, you know, in the first quarter of both games that he's played in, he fumbled the ball in game one, and then he uh, threw a pick in the second game. But both of those uh, were very early on in the game. So maybe he's nervous and still settling his nerves down. Um, but by the end of the game, he's able to really settle in and focus. Um, but again, like entering the fourth quarter with him, he's 10 of 12, 181 yards, no interceptions, no sacks. And that's in the fourth quarter of the last two games. So, you know, if you, you look at this, again, this year's team versus other, again, and, and this is just like very recent, last few years, um, the fourth quarter has not been their strength. But right now, Falcons defense and Desmond Ritter, who, you know, controls the offense, uh, playing solid football. And um, they're playing disciplined football in the fourth quarter of games. And, and when you're in a tight game, that's just certainly what you want, and that's how you win games. So the Falcons, um, we'll find out a little bit more about them this weekend when they play the Lions on the road. This Lions team to me is not the same Lions team of years past. Uh, they beat the Chiefs week one. Uh on Thursday night football, they lost this past week. They're one and one, but they're going to be at home and it's going to be in an atmosphere that isn't too friendly to the Falcons, which by the way, mad props to the fans, Falcons fans for showing up the last two weeks. I have not heard Mercedes Benz Stadium like that in a very, very long time. Uh, so it was cool to see fans like show up for the team and, uh, you know, it's very apparent that they are, engaged this year and I think it starts like that every year starts where the fans are showing up they're cheering they're excited it's a new year new hopes um, but then the Falcons let them down so they stop coming to games but right now the Falcons have won the first two so fans have had a reason to show up they want to see this new team they want to see the new defense they want to see the new offense because um, it is very very new and, and one thing that shouldn't surprise you about Arthur Smith and and his team right now is the fact that they're running the ball um, that's been his bread and butter for a long time before he even got here with Derrick Henry um, at Tennessee with, with the Titans. So he has brought that over to the Falcons, and it's working for them. And it does take pressure off of Desmond Ritter. Uh, being able to hand off the ball to Tyler Algier or to Bijan Robinson um, is a treat. And, and Robinson has played beautifully the first two games. Uh, he's making uh, Arthur Smith and um, Terry Fontenot look very good right now because a lot of people were questioning why they took a running back eight overall in that first round. It doesn't happen very often, not nowadays. Um, but there were a lot of questions about that. And, and right now in the first two games, it's paid off. It really has paid off. Um, so Let's see game three on the road, um, an unfriendly environment. Can they continue to run the ball? Are other teams going to sniff that out and, uh, you know, really focus on Algier, really focus on Bijan? Um, you know, but this is good. The, the fact that the Falcons are 2-0 for the first time in a long time is, is very telling of um, the fact that they're going to fight and they're going to try to really, really try to play disciplined football in the fourth quarter and win games. 
Um, so they're next two though are on the road. So we'll learn a little more about them this weekend and then the following, and, and then we'll see kind of, we'll have a better picture of what the Falcons are about this season. Uh, cause you know, obviously winning at home is great, but you got to be able to rinse them on the road to be able to be a good team. Um, okay, let's talk about the dogs who are at home once again. They're like the Falcons. They have yet to play on the road. Uh, their first four home games uh, for the UGA's football team has been at Sanford Stadium. They'll play game four Saturday night, 7.30 kick against UAB. So they're taking a pause from SEC play. And um, gonna, they're going to face UAB coached by Trent Dilford, the former uh, NFL quarterback. He was coaching high school ball and now this is his first college opportunity head coach Kirby Smart has some really great things to say about Dilfer and how much he respects the fact that he you know played and then moved on to coaching and is just moving his way up through through the ranks um so you've got to be able to respect that as a coach and and Dilfer said he couldn't wait uh you know he said this like this is the reason you play is to be able to play at places like UGA I'm sure Saturday night it's going to be a, a, a very fun atmosphere to be in at Sanford Stadium that's when they had like their light their lights on the light show um all the things. So uh, it'll be, I'm sure, a, a very nice uh, atmosphere at Sanford Stadium Saturday night. It is a late kick, uh, but, um, you know, they, they installed all those lights and, and did all that for recruiting and, and to have like a one-up on other teams, um, but haven't played very many night games. So this year they've had, this is their second, so they've had two so far where they've been able to display all of the cool things that the stadium has to offer. So I'm sure the coaching staff and, and Georgia is pretty happy about that uh, but after watching South Carolina you've got to wonder uh, you know the next time the dogs face a good opponent which is next week at Auburn how they're going to respond um, yes they beat South Carolina final score 24-14 but that first half was ugly um, you know the Gamecocks scored on their opening drive uh, Rattler looked very very good but uh, UGA's defense um, gave up a lot more than they usually do. They entered that game against USC only giving up 10 points through two games. They gave up 14 against South Carolina. Uh, they say no one in our end zone for a reason. They they really uh, preach that at Georgia, and players say it all the time, like no one in our end zone, and, and they let USC in their end zone twice. Yes, they shut them out in the second half, but that first half, um, you know, USC was up 14-3, and uh, sure, Georgia responded nicely in that second half and uh, scored 21 unanswered points, but it wasn't looking good for a second. I said it, you know, the first couple weeks was that the final score was not indicative of, you know, how Georgia was playing. Uh, once they actually faced, like, a, you know, an SEC opponent, uh, it wasn't going to be... Uh, you know, a 50 to three score that, that just wasn't going to happen a 40, whatever to six score. No, that, that wasn't going to be it. Um, so right now, you know, UAB should be fine, but at Auburn, that's going to be a completely different story. Kirby doesn't like to look ahead, or at least he tells us he doesn't like to look ahead. He likes to keep his players focused on what's right in front of them. What's right in front of them right now is UAB, but you better believe coaches at least are, are starting to look, if not, if they haven't already starting to look at film of Auburn, um, 
but he said after the game that he learned more about his team in that second half against South Carolina than he had any other day this year. He he wanted them to respond. He wanted them to show resiliency, and that's what they did. Uh, so if you're a fan, should you be worried? I think so, um, you know, because the dogs right now are not looking like the team of the last two years. Um, but that's because they have a lot of new faces. You know, they have Carson Beck at quarterback who's still – you know, finding his way, finding his voice, even though he's been on the team for a few years. You know, it's his first season starting uh, at Georgia. So there's going to be some bumps on the road. And if they want a three-peat, which, you know, hasn't been done since 1930, this is going to happen. You just, you can't lose more than one game, unfortunately, in college football. So, uh, you know, at Auburn, they're at Tennessee, even, you know, Florida, Georgia in Jacksonville, Florida beat Tennessee in the swamp this past Saturday. Uh, anything can happen. And, and now that we've seen three games with the dogs, um, they, that, I think that they got a wake up call against South Carolina and, and, this, you know, for me feels a lot like Mizzou of last year where they were down 16 to six on the road at Missouri. Uh, and then came back to win it by four points, 26 to 22. When you talk to players last year, they were quick to tell you that was the game that they, they faced the most adversity where they had to battle back. They learned a lot about themselves. Um, and, and this, this game, you know, uh, this past game in week three, game three against South Carolina very well could be the, you know, the South Carolina of this year, but we won't know that. We won't know that we've got so many more games to go. So we won't know that until the end of the season, but we certainly will find out in the next few games if they've cleaned things up. The only way to get better though is to go out on the field and get reps, right? So for Carson Beck and any of the younger guys, the only way to get better, even if you make mistakes, is to go out on the field and do it. Um, so that's, that's the unfortunate part is you can't really, uh, you know, you can only practice so much with all the ones and the twos and all the things until you got to go out and do it. And right now all these guys are, are doing it for the first time, basically. Um, you know, with Stetson Bennett, he had been there, done that several times, but with Carson Beck, that is not the case. So, uh, you know, what's happening right now is, is to be expected. I wouldn't be too worried, but I would be, uh, you know, concerned to the point where it's like, okay, um, you know, they better, uh, get better here in the next couple of weeks before going on the road, their first road test, three thirty kick on, on CBS, on Atlanta news first, uh, next weekend on the 30th. So that should be a fun one because I think that Auburn has one of the best atmospheres in all of college football. Um, uh, and they certainly bring it against Georgia and, and you know, Georgia beats UAB, uh, which they very much should. Um, they'll remain more than likely the number one team in the country. So you got the number one team in the country rolling into Auburn. You know, Auburn's playing significantly better. Hugh Freeze has got them, uh, you know, on a roll right now. They have yet to lose. It's going to be a tough one for them this weekend, but I think that you can expect a, a very unfriendly atmosphere waiting for the dogs uh, on Saturday by Tiger fans. Atlanta United could clinch a playoff spot tonight. Um, so this is what they have to do. And, and this, there's a lot that has to happen. They're not controlling their own destiny in the sense that they need a lot of other teams uh, to do other things for them to be able to clinch. But um, so they'd have to win at D.C. United 
And so this is just the start of it. So they at least, their part of it is they have to win the match tonight. So then they'd also need Charlotte FC to lose or draw against Philadelphia. And there's a lot of ands here. So that's just, that's two things that have to happen. The third thing that has to happen is Chicago has to lose or draw at Columbus. And then also, so there's five things that need to happen now. New York Red Bulls, they have to lose or draw uh, against Austin FC. So there's a lot of things that have to happen tonight for Atlanta United to clinch um, a playoff berth, but it is possible. And, you know, they, they've had a lot of up and down seasons here in the last few years. Um, so at least we're talking about them making the playoffs and, and being able to make a playoff spot, uh, playing in the postseason, which is good, which is what you want. However, uh, tonight might not be their night, but it could be. They very well could. At the end of the night, we could be talking about how Atlanta United is back in the playoffs. And, uh, you know, Jorgis Yakamakis, you got to give him a ton of credit. Uh, the club acquired him right before the season started. And I mean, right before the season started. And he's played beautifully. He's been able to come in and make a big difference right away. And that's exactly what he said he was going to do. But so many players say that. And, and, you know, they don't end up having great seasons, but not for Gigi. He's scored a ton of goals. He's made a difference. He looks like he's a leader. Uh, so, you know, Atlanta United right now, uh, you know, making it to the playoffs, they very well could win, win, you know, uh, a couple. Um, they, again, they've had an up and down season, like they've had up and down years uh, as of late, but right now it looks like things are changing slowly for this club. They have a couple of really good players right now, whether they stay on the team or not is yet to be seen, but, um, I'm feeling good about them, at least to be able to get into the playoffs. Moving on to what's on my mind, um, I got to go back to the dogs and I got to go back to the fact that in that second half uh, against South Carolina, I was at the game and the crowd wasn't very involved. And, and you know, I'm, I'm not, this is not me um, saying anything bad about the fans at Sanford Stadium because you guys are there to support the team. And uh, it's very rare that Kirby ever says anything like Nick Saban telling the fans to stay through the, <laughs> to the end of the game. I mean, it doesn't happen very often. So, you know, the fans stick around at Georgia, but fans were not, uh, extremely involved in the first half. And I say that because it wasn't as loud as it was in that second half. Fans really, you know, started getting, um, you know, wilder in that second half and it gave the dogs a push. It certainly allowed them, in my opinion, to gain momentum and help them win the game. And I don't say that very often, but, but that place got very loud in the second half and it wasn't like that in the first half. So I think number one, it was a wake up call for fans, but a wake up call for the team in the sense that when they do play at Auburn next weekend, those fans, it will not be like that. So if the dogs get behind, at Auburn, um, I think it's going to be a real issue. So for me, uh, and I think coaches know that, you know, I, they cannot get behind on the road, certainly not at Auburn or, or a team further down the road like Tennessee because they will not have those fans there to support them and to help them. And, um, you know, I give props to the fans. They, they deserve a ton of credit in that second half. They helped the defense. Uh, you know, no, no points scored by South Carolina there in the second half and the offense, uh, woke up a little bit. Uh, Dejon Edwards played a great game, had over a hundred yards on the ground. Um, but yeah, I, I think that, uh, 
for the dogs, uh, be, be very aware that once you start playing on the road, that crowd will not be there to save you because your first four games have been at home. And uh, a big knock on the dogs this season has been the fact that their schedule is quite easy. And when you take a look at it, it certainly does look that way. Um, but uh, in a couple weeks, that schedule that looks easy, you know, the dogs being at Auburn is just not going to work out for them if, 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 if they enter the um, the half down by two touchdowns. I just don't see how they can come back from that. But maybe we will learn that Carson Beck and, and the offense is better than uh, I think right now. Um, but we'll have to wait and see. That's the beauty of football. There's a ton of games to go, but right now the dogs are three and Um, we'll talk to y'all tomorrow. Have a great night. Enjoy football this week. And, um, I'll talk to you soon. Have a good night.